Hi everyone and welcome back to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. I hope you all had an amazing Easter celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. When I think about holidays, I often consider this the holiday because it is where all the prophecies have led to this specific point in time where Jesus chose to give himself as a ransom for our sinful souls, to do what we could not do for ourselves. I pray that we don't just think about his great sacrifice only during this season, but take time to remember it throughout the year meditating on the incomprehensible love that caused Jesus to go through so much just so we could be assured a home in heaven. This should always bring a smile to our face and joy to our hearts when we do. For today, we are in the final chapter of Ruth, the climax of the story. So let's read the first 12 verses. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there, and behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he said unto the kinsman, Naomi, that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land, which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me, that I may know. For there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing, for to confirm all things a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said unto the elders and to all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of his place, ye are witnesses this day. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel. And do thou worthily in Ephratah and be famous in Bethlehem. And let thy house be like the house of Pharaoh, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. Boaz did exactly what he said he would do, and wasted no time doing it. He sat at the gate, the place where public matters were handled. He was waiting until the needed relative passed by, and when he did, Boaz called out to him to come over and have a seat, which he did. Then Boaz quickly gathers an additional ten elders to be his witnesses for what's about to transpire. He brings the matter of their deceased relative's land proposition to his unnamed relative, informing him that Naomi is ready or at least willing to sell it, and since he is next in line, he has first claim, which he readily accepts. I love how Boaz plays his hand. He tells his relative that he has the right to purchase or redeem it, but if he doesn't want to, that's okay because Boaz is more than happy to do it. If you notice the language, Boaz was strategic in leaving out Ruth's name, mentioning only Naomi. 
It is after he agrees to do it that Boaz says, oh, by the way, when you buy the field from Naomi, you have to buy it from Ruth and marry her, which also means that when you have a child, it will need to be in the name of Malon. In some ways, you could say that it was a sly move on his part, and it worked. The relative immediately says he doesn't want anything to do with Ruth, this woman from Moab, because she will mar his own inheritance. One more time, Ruth's background, her nationality, is thrown in her face, but in this case, God was using it for her good. The disdain for who she was meant she could be redeemed by the man she cared for and live a life with someone who loved and respected her. Isn't God good? Even when we might feel slighted about something, God can still turn it around and use it for his glory and honor. Of course, Boaz is more than willing to step in and take over in this matter and quickly informs everyone that he, Boaz, will redeem it all and also purchase Ruth to be his wife. This is the part of the story that makes us all sigh with contentment and pure joy. I love how the elders not only said we are witnesses, but offered their congratulations and even blessings upon their marriage, asking the Lord to make Ruth like Rachel and Leah, who built up the house of Israel. Remember that this is quite a statement since Ruth is a Moabite, but... If you go back to what Boaz had told Ruth the night before, it really is no surprise. The whole city thought her to be a virtuous woman. And of course, Boaz is also a well-respected man in the community, so it seems that everyone's delighted for their marriage. I read once that a wedding is a community event, and you can see that playing out here with the elders offering their best wishes to the new couple's future. I also love how they hoped the potential child will be famous in Israel, never knowing just how prophetic their words would be as the line of Boaz would lead to the birth of a king and the king of kings, redeemer for all mankind out of the bondage of sin. Boaz and Ruth are married. What a wonderful event for this girl who may have thought she would never marry again. After all, who would want someone like her? But God is the God of second chances, and sometimes those second chances are more beautiful and amazing than the first. Ruth was not only married to one of the most eligible bachelors in Bethlehem, but to a man who loved the Lord like she did and was a man of integrity. He was a perfect match for her in every way. Their hearts could intertwine in perfect unity because they were both fixed on the same desire to know the Lord and honor his name in all that they did. The next verse in the chapter gives us our first part of the happily ever after. Verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception and she bare a son. I absolutely love this part. Ruth is given a son by the Lord. Think about it. She was married for 10 years and never had a child. How different would her story have been if she had? There would have been no need for her to be redeemed by Boaz since she had a child that could continue the name of her deceased husband and his family. We would never have met Boaz and she and Naomi would have continued as they were. But because God withheld something from them, they later received so much more. This is a great lesson for us because so often we want our prayers answered now. We desire our requests to come to fruition when we bring them to the Lord, but only he knows when the timing is right. God's delays are always with purpose. They are never pointless. God withholds something we may think is good or better so that he can give us his best. Boaz was God's best for Ruth. I am sure there were times when she ached for a child, that it grieved her heart for 10 years that she could not give Malon a son or even a daughter. But maybe when she married Boaz and finally held her son in her arms for the first time, she understood why. We have to learn to trust God with our future. 
in our answers to prayer because he alone knows the reason why it's been denied or delayed. Believe in his goodness that he does love you and will do only that which is best for you, including when he says no or not yet. I know that we've mentioned the verses that come after this when we discuss Naomi's story, but I just want to bring out a couple of points from these remaining verses. So let's read from 14 to 17. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. First, I love how it is the women of the village who confront Naomi about Ruth, the same people who have called her a virtuous woman. Think about that. They have come to her defense, speaking to Naomi, reminding her of the amazing daughter-in-law she has. They also point out that they know her grandson will be a wonderful person, ready and willing to look out for his grandmother, caring for her needs, even as she grows old. How are they so confident? Because they knew the character and the heart of the woman who would raise him, his mother Ruth. Her reputation is almost unbelievable. She has won over an entire town and convinced them that she is a woman of honor, integrity, compassion, and grace. When you read this, you are again left with nothing but sheer admiration and wish you could have met her. Something else that is interesting to note is the fact that Ruth does not even name her own child. The women call him Obed, which means the servant. They were assured that this is who he would become because of Ruth, a woman whose name meant friend. And she lived out her meaning in such a beautiful way, providing us with a wonderful example to follow. She is a woman who also gives hope to so many, just like her husband's ancestor Rahab did. These women came with a past many would frown upon, but they ignored the sneers and jeers, fixing their eyes on the God of heaven, the one who saw them for who they were, two women who desired nothing more than to be allowed to pursue him with all of their hearts. He loved them and elevated these two women in a prestigious lineage, ensuring that their names were never forgotten, but mentioned specifically in the lineage of Christ. May we be women who spend our lives in pursuit of Christ, ignoring all others, so that we can run the race before us with eyes focused on the one who calls us by name and loves us with an everlasting love. And that is where we will end our study of Ruth. I pray that it was an encouragement and a blessing to your heart. Remember that you can be as close to God as you desire. He invites us all to know him. There is nothing hidden from us. He promises that if you seek him, you will find him, the one who holds you close and has your very best in mind. Trust him, my friends, and lean into the quiet place so you can know him more.